Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or other healthcare provider, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome to season two, episode 33 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I think you're going to enjoy this one. I hope you're going to enjoy it because I'm going to be joined on the microphone by Dr. Mark Costas. A lot of you have heard us talk about our growing relationship with the Dental Success Institute. Mark and his team of black belt coaches do a tremendous job with dentist entrepreneurs and helping them set up their practices for growth and ultimately potentially grow into a group practice. We're hosting a conference in Denver with them that we're calling Scaling from Clinician to CEO. Mark and I sat down recently, shared the mics with one another, went through the subject matter, talked about everything we're gonna cover at the conference. It is a thorough overview of what you're gonna hear and see in Denver together. So get your popcorn ready, get a, a wonderful cup of coffee in hand, Sit back, relax, and enjoy this discussion between me and Mark Costas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Donaldpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Costas. All right, guys, I got a repeat guest, a good friend on with me today. We're going to be talking about DSOs and scaling up your business in the right way. Uh, today, we have Perrin Desports, co-founder of Polaris. He is descended from three generations in the dental distribution business. Perrin brings decades of dental industry experience to Polaris, a former co-founder of Tusk Partners. He is also a proud husband and father and loves to bike, play tennis, read, and judge your coffee choices. What's up, my friend? How you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. Good to be back with you. It feels like forever, though I know it hadn't been that long. <laughs> yeah, last time I saw you in person was, I think it was uh, at the summit, right, in June? It was. It was a great experience. I loved being with you and your team, and the audience was so warm and, and welcoming to us. Um, I, it was really a lot of fun. I'm sorry I had to cut it short to take to, to fly back to Charlotte to take my daughter to camp, but you know, duty calls, as they say, right? No, it was it was perfect. Thank you so much for flying out for you know the first half day. You brought the house down as usual. Um, all 700 people were were laughing and and right alongside with you uh, during during your presentation. Um, you know, uh, I love your topics. They they dovetail so nicely into what we talk about um, at DSI. At DSI, we're not necessarily you know the the single mom and pop practice. We talk about the basics of running a successful business, but you kind of take it that next step where you talk about you and your partners talk about how to scale that very good business into multiples and then maybe a DSO to poise yourself for a potential, you know, transition at some point. Um, but there's a lot of talk about how to scale from a financial standpoint, from a systemization standpoint, um, and even just getting your headspace right. Like it's not the same as just taking one practice and multiplying it. There's a lot of other considerations. So those are some of the topics that you talk about that are right in our wheelhouse. And I love, I love to hear you talking about them. 
Yeah, you know, you're you're 100 correct, and I think the thing about successful um, solo practice owners is that they tend to be highly motivated. They tend to be really good dental cl- dentist clinicians. They do great clinical work, and they also, whether intentionally or not. Um, have some degree of systems and processes and culture in that business. And a lot of that is derived from the fact that they can see everybody. They can touch all four walls. They pretty much know everything that's going on in that practice, you know, and it's kind of, um, they're, they're the driver of all of that. When you add a second location, to state the obvious, you can't be everywhere at once. Mm-hmm. Things happen without you knowing about it. You have to trust that the systems that you had in location number one are going to be represented in location number two. Y'all talk a lot about that in your mastermind session. You have to you have to trust that the culture, the commitment, um, the the fabric of the teamwork is going to be represented equally in location number two as it is in location number one. And you and I both know that that takes a lot of intentionality. It doesn't just happen. Even if you cross-pollinate team members in hopes that it will, you have to be intentional about that. You can usually get by with two locations if you were a successful solo practice owner. Mm -hmm. Going from two to three is probably akin to having three children which you do, I don't. I like to tell people the reason I don't have two is because I have one, you know, and that's enough, right? But if you're going to have three locations or more, four or five, whatever the number is, you really want to be intentional about what you're trying to build and the why behind which you're trying to build it. And if you don't have that, we talk with every client, every prospective client about this. What are you trying to build and why? And if you can't answer those questions with a degree of clarity and specificity, then you need to work with somebody who's going to help you shape that vision and narrow it down. Just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean you should do it too. Yeah, it's so, so right. And, you know, going back to your first point, I've had, you know, 16 practices. And when I went from one to two, um, it was just a matter of grinding more, right? It's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just go from four days a week in this one practice to three in each, right? So it was all on me. So that was the one lever, the one tool I had in my toolbox was my own personal energy and my charisma and my ability to, you know, uh, run an office and then multiply it by another. Of course, you're going to cannibalize the first very successful practice, maybe to the same degree that the other one succeeds, right? So, yep. so if, if you're, if you start with, if you pick up that second practice, it's going to grow by 20%, maybe your flagship drops by 20% and you're flush and you're exhausted. And, you know, and then, and then to add two another one or two to the first two, then you find yourself in this quandary where I can't use that original tool of just hustle and grind. Now I have to figure out exactly how to duplicate the systems and to find somebody that is strong enough to maybe it's 95% of the flagship practice, but to get it to a level where it's still profitable. And then you can build upon that one and then the next, and then the next. And a lot of people just don't think about that strategy and the fact that they can't do it all. Um, perhaps the tools in their toolbox need to evolve and, and, uh, and that knowledge base needs to increase. Yeah, you're 100% correct. So what we find as entrepreneurs uh, and highly motivated and to a degree successful ones is that 
there's a mindset that you can outwork your problems. Yeah. You know, there's enough hours in the day. You've got enough commitment. You burned your ships, right? There's nowhere to go. You got to feed your family. You got, this has got to work, right? So that type of mentality is just, I'll work harder to solve it, you know? And like you say, you can probably get by with sheer guts and determination on two, but you start going beyond two and their fundamental challenges whether whether you realize it or not, they're fundamental challenges that you have to be able to overcome. And you got to have clarity on what your numbers are, what your expectations are, how you lead people when you're disconnected. And and we we talk about, you know, some of those fundamental challenges of of, and I know we're going to talk about the conference in a second, but you know, scaling from clinician to CEO, what we decide to call our conference here, there, there's intention behind that because the first thing you got to do when you start working yourself out of the chair is if you're a successful dentist, you probably made a lot of money being a successful clinician, mm-hmm. you know, and you probably have a lifestyle that's tied to that. As you start adding more locations and it puts the burden of leadership on you, that's going to pull you away from the, the chair due to necessity. But the, the clinical work doesn't go away. You may get more efficient, but if you start dropping a day a week, a, a day per week or two or more, somebody's got to replace you. You have to pay somebody to do the work that you're no longer doing. And that may sound obvious. But the thing that people don't think about, they think about the compensation rate that they're going to pay an associate to do the work they're not doing, but they don't think about the marginal impact they have to now make on the business to offset the dip in their personal income. So how, how, do, we, how do we figure out the math behind that? Like, what's the impact we really need to make on the business? Oh, by the way, you probably borrowed money from a bank to buy or build locations two, three, and beyond. So are the new locations cash flowing enough to offset debt service and to replace some of the clinical income that you gave up? So this this transition from clinician to CEO is gradual, typically. It needs to be intentional and methodical, and you need to solve for the number at hand so the family unit doesn't go under, right? Yeah, it's such a huge point. It's such a huge point. And if you think about it, just the simplest math that I can think of, you know, after two, three years, maybe you're producing $100,000 a month as a clinician, right? So you're bringing in three fifty, four dollars $400,000. And then you decide that you want to scale this thing. You want to transition from that $400,000 position where you were really, really good at what you did. And, and now you're going to, you're going to manage three to five to seven of these things. Um, the business, even if it's quite profitable, can't sustain a $400,000 CEO. Something has to, something has to decrease. And that's usually your, your personal take-home income. So there's going to be a period of time where you're actually working more. You have more on your plate. You have, you know, hundred plus employees, levels of, um, much more levels of sophistication and, you know, and plate spinning. Um, and you're probably going to take a significant dip in pay. Uh, and a lot of people don't recognize that or don't realize that that is a sacrifice that they're going to have to make. Um, but in order to, you know, if, if you're going to strategize and you accept that and you put those numbers on paper and you say, when you hit this thresh, threshold, this is what your personal income could potentially be. Um, you and I both know that a lot of times this can't be a cash flow play. This has to be an equity play in the beginning. And the cash flow has to take a backseat to that many times. Yeah. 
yeah, we we like to tell people that income and wealth are competing interests in a business. Mm. And and this is no different for a group dental practice than it is for me and my partner, DeWalker Sinha, and building Polaris. You know, we don't have to borrow money from a bank to, to fund our payroll. Ours is a different services type of a business than a group dental practice is. But at the same time, that the... The things that we advise our clients on and, and the methodologies by, by which we tend to, to categorize success for people is the same for us. We leave a lot of cash on balance sheet. We don't pull all the money out of the business to fund lavish lifestyles. We like toys like anybody else does, but that we understand that we're building a bitter, bigger business and, and it's important for us to reinvest in the business for growth. This is the feeding of the goose that lays the golden eggs. I can't put it any more simply mm-hmm. than that. And and when you're when you're building a group practice to understand the debt service component, to understand the the EBITDA marginal impact, the profitability impact of the business, as well as the the reallocated resources towards your transitioning role is critically important. You know, the buying and the building of each location comes with a price. What is that price? How do you categorize it? When are you overpaying and can you create positive impact uh, on, a, on an acquisition basis? How do you solve for equity on balance sheet in a de novo? These are things that are fundamental about scaling. And all too often, people realize they've made a mistake after they've made the mistake. They stepped on the landmine and maybe they live to tell the tale and maybe they don't. And and it's it's things like this that we're going to get across, I think, in a, in a solid two days that that people will have a lot more clarity about if they want to go down this journey. I love it. I love it. So you've alluded to this a couple of times. Perrin and I, after sharing some stages together and recognizing how in line our two organizations were, decided that we were going to host our own event. And, you know, I've been to lots of DSO conferences. A lot of them are really, really good as far as meeting the right people and uh, networking in, in, you know, the hallways and at the, at the happy hours or, or at, and at dinners, you know, really expensive steak dinners that the vendors will take you to. Great, great for networking. I've never been to one that is going to go into the depth that we are into the actual guts, the nuts and bolts strategy and tactics of actually scaling from being a clinician and having your primary income coming from the clinical work that you do to uh, to transitioning to be a CEO and the owner of a legitimate, sophisticated group of dental practices. So that is the whole theme behind what this event is. It's going to be October 5th through 7th, 2022 in Denver, Colorado at the Sheraton Denver Downtown Hotel. We'll have lots more information in the show notes. Um, but Perrin, maybe we could go in a little bit more detail about who's going to be speaking and, and the topics that we're going to be covering over this Thursday, Friday event. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, uh, what we're trying, one of the big picture things we're trying to get across in this, and I would echo your comments about many of the industry conferences um, that that are fun um, and and the subject matter is is really really good, and I applaud the people who put them on, and I've spoken at a number of them as as have you. One of the things that bothers me about conferences in general, and I'm not pointing the finger at group practice conferences or DSO conferences specifically, but you, you end up with panels of people who are immensely successful and they t- they wax eloquently and theoretically about what got them to that level. And the person sitting in the audience loves what they're hearing, 
But as soon as that pre, as soon as that panel is done presenting, the person in the audience says, "What did I just learn, and what can I apply on Monday?" Because yeah. I got to go home, right? And I got to, I got to, I got all these notes that I took that are great. What's different on Monday? And one of the things that not only is the content that we, that you and I are going to share, and and the presenters are going to share, not only is it going to be incredibly detailed, and I've already seen some of it, and it some of it blew me away. And I'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But at the end of every presentation, we're going to ask the presenter to have at least three key takeaways for the people in the audience. Okay, you heard what I had to say on XYZ. I hope you found it to be uh, informational, educational, and important to you. Here are three things you got to think about either on the flight home now or certainly by the time you get back home on Monday about your business to apply what I just talked about solve for these three things. I hate to put it this way, Mark, but anybody that attends this conference is going to have some homework, you know, and, yeah. and hopefully the people who want to attend this conference are the people who want to roll up their sleeves and get dirty. And that's really what we're, we're trying to achieve with it. I so, it. yeah, I can, um, uh, do you want me to share screen real quick on, on the sure. agenda for our video audience? Yeah. And we can, for those that are on, um, uh, uh, audio, we can, we can kind of narrate through this. Um, so to echo Mark's point, there'll be plenty of information, uh, including a PDF of this uh, agenda in the show notes you can link to. You can find more registration information on our website at polarishealthcarepartners.com. I know that's a long URL, but polarishealthcarepartners.com. There'll be a pop-up that you can click on, but the conference is called Scaling from Clinician to CEO, like we mentioned before. That really encapsulates the initial part of the journey the aspirational piece for the people who are going to join us. October 5th through 7th in Denver. It's a Thursday and a Friday. Wednesday is a travel day with a cocktail party and registration. Thursday, we're really going to talk about those fundamentals and the challenges of building a group practice and how to execute the initial phases of growth strategy. Mark, you know that we are a very analytically driven organization. We don't we don't do much without a calculator or a spreadsheet model in Excel, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to break down what, you know, acquisitions and de novos look like. We're going to we're going to show how to solve for the right numbers and where people tend to step on landmines and get in trouble in that early phase of buying or building additional practices as they transition out of the chair themselves. And that can be a uh, the first challenge, I would say, in building a group. You're going to pick up next with systemization and calibration on group practices. So I'll let you dig a little bit deeper in that. But this is one of my favorite topics, by the way. Yeah, systemization. I mean, it like I was uh, alluding to earlier, it's very important from a, for a single practice. But you know, to calibrate amongst practices is especially difficult. Um, not as difficult if you are a group of de, no- de novos, you know, you have your cookbook and you just use the same cookbook as you open up the next practice and the next. But I will say that there are cultural differences and the systemization s- starts to stray a little bit if you don't have good calibration in place, a good system for actual calibration. It gets infinitely more complex when you are doing acquisitions and you're trying to get this thread that kind of uh, holds it all together and is is common 
and consistent amongst practices. Uh, that is the biggest challenge that I found myself with. You know, you pick up this great practice that looks good on paper, the EBITDA is 25% of, of the gross revenue. And you have, you know, basically a revolt when you're trying to uh, get that team on board with your philosophy and your systems. And I'm going to just kind of allude to some of the ways, some of the strategies that you can can keep that, that, that huge um, headwind from affecting the entire organization and to allow, you know, perhaps a little bit of leeway to let what's working work, but to still have that consistency and that general theme amongst the practices. So that's what I'm going to be talking about in that hour. It's, it's going to be great um, because we like to say change is hard, <laughs> right? When you, when you acquire a, a business and uh, um, consolidate cultures and, and change things, people don't always react real well to that. <laughs> so uh, a, another fundamental. Um, the next two sections, Eric Doring from the Burr Foreman law firm that happened to be our corporate attorneys uh, here at Polaris. And so we, we know these guys really well going to talk about building your legal structure for scale um, and really thinking about legal structure as a strategy. I've seen a ton of decks on legal structure. I've seen the DSO uh, PC with the MSA in between the schematic, the, the org chart, if you will. And, you know, there some of those decks are good. Eric shared his Word document outline that with me and DeWalker the other day. And, and it's so good that we're going to use it as a teaching document for our new employees. Wow. It goes through everything from uh, specific um, professional corporation structures, DSO structures, what's an LLC, PLLC, what's the difference in an S corp and a C corp, when can you, when should you have what, and when should you definitely not, and what will happen if you do. He's going to he's going to do a, a super deep dive into not just legal structure, but a lot of the underpinnings behind it. And, and I think this will be a different legal presentation than probably anything we've ever seen before. Just the word document alone. Uh, obviously, if we didn't love it, I wouldn't say we'd use it as a training document. It is really that good. Um, and it's a dry subject, too. So I think it's 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 one that uh, you need to, to get straight. Uh, DSO Marketing and Analytics is going to be Gary Bird from SMC National out of L.A. that works with a lot of group practices. Gary is one of the few analytics that runs uh, a marketing agency. You want to talk cost per lead, cost to acquire a patient. Uh, first year patient value, marketing ROI, kind of the mechanics behind all of it. This is going to be systemization for marketing. This is not just have a Facebook page or an Instagram page or a TikTok page. There's a lot more than that. So uh, I've seen this presentation from Gary once before, and it is tremendous. And it will, for the analytics in the audience, again, this will light you up in terms of how to track all this kind of stuff. And then after Gary comes the economic engine of, of every group, which is doctor development. And you're back on stage for that one. Again, one of my favorite topics. Yeah. Well, thanks again for, uh, for making another spot for me. I'm really excited yeah. to talk about doctor development and, you know, over my 16 practices, which is a small sample size in comparison to the size of a lot of DSOs that we work with. But, um, over my 16 practices, I've had dozens of, of associates, some literally like it's their first job, uh, I'm, I'm training one right now, I'm mentoring one right now. First time they ever picked up a handpiece, we took a picture of it. They put bird a tooth and they were now a professional. And so we have that all the way from, you know, a 60 year old 
uh, late career dentists that it sold their practice and they're going back into the workforce. And, and there has to be some sort of, I'm going to use the word again, calibration and some sort of um, consistency amongst the output that these different doctors from dis- different stages of development um, are expected to put out, right? So I'm going to talk about how to calibrate that and how to make things a little bit more consistent from early stage docs to, to baby docs to, to mid, mid-career docs to senior docs to maximize their production, uh, but to not, you know, obviously treat them, you know, like, like a slave. And uh, because we all know that that leads to burnout and really, really high turnover. So there are definite strategies to make sure that we're maximizing performance and output uh, without um, without having massive turnover. So that's kind of, those are some of the themes I'm going to talk about there. This is one of the biggest one that we see with our consulting clients, honestly. And that's why I'm, I'm thrilled that you're uh, swinging the bat on, on this one, because, you know, the people that think if I can just hire associates, I'll solve the problem are only looking at it from their own eyes. They're not thinking about it from the associate's perspective, which is that, hey, I spent all this time in school. I want to be a master at my craft. Mm-hmm. If you will make me a better clinician, a better dentist, I'm going to I'm going to be more fulfilled. I'm going to make more money and I'm going to stay longer, especially if there's an equity piece tied into it. So mm-hmm. going to be a, a really, really great presentation that obviously I'm not qualified to give, even though I love it so much. So. Um, we will finish day one uh, with banking and capital structures. And this is really another one of those fundamental challenges. I'm going to allude to this in the opening section, but to get the banking structure, all of our clients are using bank funds to grow. They're using debt funds and they should be, that's the right vehicle, but we're in a rising rate environment right now. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, the Mm -hmm. fed is jacking rates like every other week, it seems like, right? So what, what's an entrepreneur to do? What's the best way to borrow funds? Should they really be concerned about the rising cost of funds to do it? Is that a reason to pump the brakes on your growth strategy? Or is there another way to look at this? And I would tell you that there is. And if you get the right relationship in place with the right lender, and it's probably a lower middle market to middle market lender that gives you a guidance facility that allows you to execute your growth strategy, you're going to be able to build a great business when other businesses in the coming year or years are stalling. You're going to have a target-rich environment to grow your footprint, but you have to have the funding piece in place before you go on that spending spree. And Dr. Sampson Liu, uh, formerly of Heartland Dental, will be be giving us his personal journey through that process. uh, And and we'll have a, a great story to tell around that at a super enterprise level. So to conclude day one, before we go to the the after the day pool part poolside party for cocktails that evening, um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a fun subject that everybody should know more about, and that's banking structures. Yep. Um, Friday morning, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, culture and alignment. This is another one that you guys do extremely well, and you're going to be leading us off on day number two. Yeah, I mean, how how do you make culture a more objective measure? Right. That is, that's the big, that's the big head scratcher. Leadership and culture are the things that so many of us struggle with because it's difficult to objectively measure those. Um, We've come up with some really great, simple measures of leadership and culture. I'm going to talk about culture and how to get that, you know, consistent amongst different locations, but you got to start with the, the mindset of here's how I make this 
a more objective assessment, not just per practice, but actually per team member, per associate doctor, per executive team member as well. So this is one of my favorite topics. I can't wait to, to, to dig into this. It's going to be great. I, it, parlaying off of that, we're going to then talk about leadership, governance, and partnership challenges. Everybody wants to build a group practice, and everybody wants to bring in minority partners, and nobody thinks about what it's like to lead and govern an organization when other people have an equity stake in it. Maybe not an equal one to you, but even if they're 1%, you can't run roughshod over them. So yeah. what are some of the things that get people in trouble? Where do partnerships fail? You know, what are the challenges around government, governance uh, and, and leading a group with, with multiple owners, even if you outnumber them by vote? So we're going to dig into that. This is something that's hardly ever talked about in group practices, but we see it amongst partners very, very frequently. Moving out of that, we'll talk about legal structures and DSO reporting, financial reporting. It's important to understand how to read financial statements, what cost centers are, cost allocations, how they should be set up. If your accountant uh, runs a hair salon and a pizza parlor and your group dental practice, you're probably not getting a lot of added value out of that. So uh, Scott Aberman from I Bailey that does a lot of uh, enterprise reporting for some of your clients and ours will mm -hmm. be there. We'll have a journey along the sell side process. Selling a business is not a transaction. It's a process. Sometimes it's five months. Sometimes you need to think about it in terms of five years. And we're going to have a, a gentleman join us for that. And to wrap up the afternoon on Friday, we're going to talk a course about associate equity, earned equity, cap table management. What does all that mean in terms of creating uh, ownership opportunities for associates to hopefully get them stay for the long haul? And also, finally, how to use equity on balance sheet as a catalyst for growth. That could be your most valuable currency and it's an untapped resource that people don't understand. I was building this deck today and I can't wait to share it. It'll be totally new content that nobody's ever seen before. Yeah, nobody talks about equity on balance sheet. It's, it's one of those things that, oh my gosh, people use AR for leverage. People use home equity for leverage. People use their credit score for leverage. So many, so few people think about using the equity in their business on that balance sheet for leverage. And it's, I can't wait to, to hear this one. I'm going to dork out. I'm going to be sitting in the back <laughs> writing, writing down, <laughs> writing down feverishly. I, I'm super excited. This is going to be so good, Perrin. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really thrilled with the speakers that, that you were able to, to, to put together and, and our teams are working really, really well to, to provide a really good experience. Um, once again, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but this is going to be a tactical field manual for exactly how you do it. Um, like parents said, there's going to be homework and there's going to be um, things to do when you get back to the practice. But that is that is the value of this. I've gone yeah. to numerous uh, DSO conferences when I was pumped up and I just didn't really quite know what to do next. And, and uh, we're doing our best with that theme in mind. Here's exactly what you do on Monday morning when you get back from the conference. And here's, here's basically the roadmap of how you go from single clinician to you know, many, many successful practices. I can't wait. We, can't wait. It's going to be great. We are, uh, we're going to limit it probably to about 150 people and we're limiting it to three people per group. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there'll be a lot of different businesses. There'll be wonderful networking opportunities. There'll be a handful of sponsors, but not many. And there'll be a handful of speakers, but not many. Suffice to say, the people who attend this are going to have access to everybody 
um, over multiple days and multiple opportunities. So I, the learning is going to be phenomenal. I'm, I'm really jazzed about it. Can't thank you and your team enough for, for doing this with us. I can't wait. I can't wait. Once again, it's polarishealthcarepartners.com. Uh, we will also have more information in the show notes here with an exact uh, link, a uh, precise link. The dates are October 5th through 7th. That is a Thursday. Uh, Wednesday is the, the registration and happy hour if you get there early. And then we're going to have Thursday, Friday, uh, Denver, Colorado at the Sheraton, beautiful Sheraton, uh, Denver, downtown hotel. Um, we're really looking forward to seeing some really high quality people that are going to add to uh, the value of the event. Um, people that are interested in scaling, maybe they are already a multiple practice group and they're looking to get to the next level. There is no shortage of information for people at all stages in this DSO journey. Absolutely. The the Sheraton is a newly renovated $80 million renovation. You can see a video of it on the landing page, I think. It looks pretty uh, pretty incredible, honestly. So I think we stumbled into a great venue as well. A um, lot of learning, a lot of access to experts. Uh, the people who attend are going to get more than their money's worth. I'm really confident of that. For sure. And I like I liked the fact, you know, we're always pushing for numbers at our summit. We had 700 this year, which is small compared to some conferences, but but big compared to others. Uh, 150 people, I think that in in by anybody's kind of gauge is a smaller, more intimate event, and it's going to serve uh, to be better for the attendees that actually show up. Um, so uh, access to all the speakers the entire two days, uh, I think it's going to be great. I, I agree, Mark. Again, I, I can't thank you and your team enough. I know that the the people who join us in Denver, um, it's going to be thick with content and and education, and um, you know nobody's going to sleep through this one. I, I assure you that um, <laughs> we're we're super proud of the information we present. As are you. I've seen y'all in small group environments and large. Uh, group environments. Um, and I think that's another one of the, the nice things about the two companies is the way we share education is very granular, very detailed, very tactical to use your word. Um, and, and the people who uh, join us in Denver are going to realize the benefit of all that. All right, Perrin. Well, you and I are going to see each other pretty soon here in San Antonio for another conference. I can't wait to see you. That's going to be a fun masterclass you're putting on. And uh, I will see you after that in Denver. Thank you so much Look for your time today, my friend. Hey, great being with you. Thank you for yours. And again, um, looking forward to seeing everybody in Denver in about eight weeks or so. Cheers. Sounds great. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the co-founder of Polaris, Perrin Desports. Mm -hmm.